0: It's a bonus two-man game inside. Thomas dominant. Dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid. And he got some dog in And the steal. They can tie it with a three.
1: Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez. And today uh, we have... I think this is the first time I've like really butchered an intro, but there's no shot I'm uh, I'm doing a new one, so we're gonna roll with it. I wow, uh, yeah. Three hundred. It took here. you
0: 364 episodes to butcher an intro, so that's Usually actually. it's so weird.
1: automatic, you know. So when I thought about it, I was I was screwed. But we got Drew here also. What's going on, local guy?
0: Oh, nothing. Um, beautiful day in Sacramento, and uh, it is a Saturday. And there really wasn't much else to do other than, you know, go, go shopping. I, I actually went to the team store, like, before I came home. I went to the team store, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on sale because they're clearing out a lot of the old inventories, uh, specifically the jerseys. So those are at a very cheap price. If you want to go grab yourself a Fox, Sabonis, or Davion Mitchell, that's all they have. They don't have anybody else. And they got a ton of Fanatics fanatics brand shirts that uh, are like ten bucks because the Kings are no longer a Fanatics owned uh, team store. Everything goes oh. back to them next year. Yeah, so Fanatics as of July 1st uh, is no longer a Kings team store owner or like operator or whatever. So a lot of the Fanatics team stuff is is on sale right now. So um, store hours, I'm told, are 10 to 5 uh, Monday through Saturday. So if you want to <laughs> go down there and get yourself some cheap ten dollar Shirts that are actually really, really nice. Uh, I would highly recommend it. So, yeah,
1: I feel like the Davion jersey um, should think. come with a basketball.
0: I feel like I feel that way too. And and by the way, Davion, I love. I honestly love the white jerseys uh, from the Kings previous. Same, set, obviously, because <laughs> no. that that's something we got to talk about too. Is the new jerseys, right? Um, yes. From the previous set, the crispy whites were my favorites personally. And Davion is the only one that has any white jerseys up in there. So if you want a Davion Mitchell white. Jersey from the previous Kings Jersey set, go, go ahead and go get yourself one. They're like either 45 or 65 bucks, something like that. So doing a lot of legwork here for the Kings team store. I kind of feel like I should get something out of it, but you know, if not, it's totally fine. That's, I mean, that's the whole goal
1: here. Really? Let's be honest. (laughs) Uh I am out here in Vegas already um, for summer league. Obviously Kings played their first game yesterday and, um, let's start with summer league stuff before we get into some of the other roster stuff, because I feel like if we start with the other stuff, we're not going to leave enough time for summer league. Um, Alex Figgs is in the chat here who, uh, had himself quite a moment
0: yesterday, he, man, he, there's no way that, that his phone is just not just ringing off the hook and buzzing off the hook. That guy had a, had a. he's, it's been like roughly 24, like about, we're coming up on 24 hours since that whole thing happened. And just crazy. It must be, it must be a crazy whirlwind day for Alex, man.
1: And Alex is uh, the one that made the shirt that Kevin Herter was wearing. The don't bother me. I'm watching the Kings. Um, he has two other shirts as well. What is it? Droughtisover.com. I
0: think yep, I have drought is right, over. Drought is Everybody, everybody click the link. He restocked because <laughs> because demand was so high after last night, so go get yourself one.
1: I do have a couple. Alex uh, was nice enough, and they're super comfortable. I gotta say. Um, yeah. But we're just plugging. We're just plugging shit at the yeah. beginning of this one. This is. you yeah, Got anything else to plug? Arby's. Uh, well, Arby's How? is Arby's yeah. is gonna be at the
0: tail end of this. We always plug it. Got end. you. I Add mean,
1: Alberto's maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. But uh, Alex was also nice enough to give me uh, some of those shirts as well. And it's so funny, I gave you know, I had three shirts. I was like, "Well, I mean, I, I'm more than willing to, you know, you know, spread spread the love." So I gave my good friend Chris at Pocket Janitor on Twitter. I was like, "Here, pick one," and he picked the one that is now iconic. He picked the one <laughs> that has now become the biggest sensation in all of Sacramento. So he got ahead of it. Uh, so shout out to Chris. But um, and you know did, what, dude, big, I have
1: one here. Yeah, Keep going. I'm gonna find. Yeah, one. yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, big shout out to Figs, man. He he hit me up. just before the Kings were about to clinch a playoff spot. There it is. That's one of them. Drought is over. Yep. So I have that one and the other shirt, Um, but I no longer have the one that has now become the hottest item in Sacramento. Um, Figs hit me up and he said, Hey man, I, you know, I, I'd I'd love, I'd love for you to, to get in on this and like, you know, just retweet the link when, when it goes live, I'm like, I got you. And the rollout was so perfect. Uh, Had he had a hype video and everything and he tried to tell people back in april get yourself one of these nobody listened (laughs) and now everybody wants one uh because kevin heard a war one on national television but shout out to figs man he's he's been grinding with that and now he's got a whole bunch he's got he's restocking he's got a whole bunch more he's about to get in the lab and make a whole bunch more of those shirts
1: agreed they're pretty badass they're comfortable i'm a fan um so good for figs um the games yeah let's talk cal classic first and let's just start with the obvious um keegan murray's pretty good at basketball man
0: <laughs> i i i think in, in you and i along with our other good friends before before that first game at the california classic talked about yeah maybe he just goes out there and plays a few minutes you know it's maybe just fan service for the for the home crowd here hopefully he doesn't do anything above a light jog no uh, keegan played heavy minutes that first night Scored 29 points, only grabbed one rebound, I would say is the only negative from that. And game.
1: coach mentioned that after. Like right. Keegan had a good game and he, it actually was kind of, he was like, you know, Keegan had one rebound at halftime. And I challenged him at halftime to get more rebounds. And uh, <laughs> Grab he it. didn't get a single one in the second half. <laughs> a little uh, better in the next game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit better next game. Uh, f- f- fantastic defensively, the second game. But yeah, the first game, 29 points. And it was jarring, just like shocking to see some of the stuff that he was doing as a movement shooter, because what we're used to Keegan doing as a movement shooter is simply taking a DHO, um, coming off of a pin down, what they call zoom action, which is a pin down into a handoff and just taking that with no dribbles and just shooting the ball. And he's fantastic at that at six, eight, you should not be able to do that as a movement shooter. The the stuff that he was doing that first night that was just like shocking to me was grabbing a dribble handoff off that same action, taking a dribble, and then off the dribble going into a movement three. And it's just like, dude, you know, Kevin Herter has his signature off of a DHO is that little throwout dribble gives him a couple extra feet of separation. If if this is going to be Keegan's equivalent of that, good luck. Like if he's going to be hitting them at the clip that he was hitting them at the California Classic as well. I just I'm not quite sure how you're going to be able to stop that especially if he layers on a better handle and is able to attack off the dribble, you know, if anybody tries to lock and trail him very hard, it's it's not going to end very well for the defense if he's going to be able to, you know, diversify what he can do off of a dribble handoff. And the stuff that we were seeing that first night was just incredible. Like I I I was like speechless yeah.
1: watching some of it. And it's also a mindset thing to me that I felt like we saw the growth. Like I, I agree with you for sure. All the, on the, um, on the court stuff, the off the dribble game is big. He only took about, I think it's like 1.1. 1. 1. It's barely over one pull up shot per game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously the big area that he could display growth going into next year and specifically try to, um, get more comfortable with, with reps at Cal classic. But I think you also have to be willing to, like, just mentally accept that level of aggressiveness of being a one. And I don't know that everybody is necessarily able to do that. Um, and Keegan totally embraced that. Like, you look at the second game, coach shared coach Luke Lauks, um, who I think is like just as good as Mike Brown in media. Love Luke yeah. Laux. He's awesome. Um, man. Nicest guy. Yes. Um, that, he said that uh prior to game two, he told Keegan, This is the last game that you're gonna play. This is actually the last game that you're gonna play before your start of your next season. Mm-hmm. So go out there and pretty much kick some ass. And forty one. <laughs> um forty one. And like this is the matchup was kinda talked about too, the Jaime Hawkes. Yeah, him and Jaime because, Jaquez, yeah Because um Hawkes was great the day prior. The same yep. day that Keegan was, um, they felt like two of, I was going to say the two best guys, but Julian Champagny might get mad at me if, uh, for that one. Um, <laughs> right. But he killed it, man. And the finishing at the rim for me last year was uh, like, can you please dunk the ball all the time? Right. The coaching staff talked about this too. I, I always mention this, but Monty McNair said when he drafted Keegan, one of his things was talking about his dunk percentage. Mm-hmm. And just the most efficient shot in basketball. Um, less than a minute into the California Classic, he threw it down over someone. Yeah, like, threw someone. Not not yeah. late help or something. It was yeah. like there was a guy like, there. Yep. Yes, it, it, ridiculous. It, yep. that and a little bit of like you're saying one or two dribbles, um, attacking closeouts or off DHOs. This is this is different.
0: This is different. Yeah. Um funniest thing about that dunk that he threw down to start the game against Golden State was that it immediately forced the coaching staff of Golden State to call a timeout, which I thought was hilarious. Like we were, we weren't even sixty seconds into the game, I think. And um, thoughts on the stare down,
1: Luke gave him a C minus.
0: Yeah, I would I would give him roughly the same. He should have held it a little bit longer, you know, but that's that's just not in Keegan's personality. That's that's definitely more a Chris Murray thing. Chris Murray had a few monster dunks this past season in college, and and on one of them that I saw, he definitely stared a dude down and kind of like exulted. But that's just that's just not Keegan. I'm 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 sure I'm sure maybe even his family was shocked that he even attempted one. Uh, so you know, good for him, but I'd probably give him a C minus there. Um, yeah, I there really were no words left to describe what we witnessed. You know, for him scoring seventy points over the course of two games. Um, doing it in, in the manner in which that it, he was doing it. Um, You know, and it wasn't purely purely off of those wide pin downs and that zoom action that we kept on seeing um during the regular season. You know, they ran a play where he initiated a set and it looked like a horn set and he threw it to either Kata or it might've been Jake Stevens. And he immediately walked his man down, down into the key and they came off of a pin down from the key. So it was a gut zoom action, came back up, ca- caught the ball, took one or two dribbles, Sidestepped to three and he knocked it down there's also one where he was in transition off of a rebound just pulled up against the miami heat that second night and knocked down a three in transition and it's just like look if he's gonna be if he's gonna be doing this obviously we should expect a leap during the regular season how big of one i don't know because the talent level in the g league obviously i mean No, no, it it has it's
1: supposed to be a huge jump now. Like when coach when your coach is sitting there, like I I don't know that it should be expected, but like coach sat up there and said that a scout came up to him, one of their scouts, and was like the only time I've seen a jump from year one to two like this was Kawhi, Mm -hmm. and again very clear, like he's not saying he's Kawhi, but he's specifically talking about the jump from year one to two. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was with you on that, but until I'm like hearing that, seeing what he did it's like I think they're supposed and running it back essentially like yeah. th- that that term maybe isn't exactly accurate with Duarte and Vizenkov but essentially mm-hmm. running it back um, yep. might just be a bet on Keegan
0: I I would agree I I think and this is this kind of mirrors what happened at the trade deadline right you know what you have in house you trust what you have in house and this isn't just with the players but also with the coaching staff and the coaching staff is outstanding. This is the deepest coaching staff. I think the Kings have ever had. I mean, back when Rick Adelman was coaching, coaching staffs just were not that deep with behind the bench people. And from top to bottom, you have fantastic coaches. You have obviously considerably better player development than what you had before this coaching staff came in. Why wouldn't you bet on yourself? You know, and, and to just assume that the Kings are going to go out there and get the three seed again, I think would be a little bit foolish. Anything can happen. I mean, anything can happen kind of philosophy was kind of the reason why they got the third seed last season, but you, you gotta, you gotta think McNair is thinking, look, I, I'm confident in what we have in the building and I'm expecting huge growth from my fourth overall pick last year. And if that does indeed happen, then yeah. Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you be confident in what you have? And, and you're right. They are essentially quote unquote, running it back with, you know, two additions, but I don't think, you know, I, I kind of feel like running it back has ha- had like a negative connotation within the fan base. Um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I, I I think that if you really do trust what you have and that you trust that the additions that you are bringing in uh, are going to be impactful, then why not try to run it back with essentially the same core, right?
1: I'm with you. And and we'll get more to some of those other additions um, a little bit later. But to stick on Summer League before we we move to that, Um let's do colby jones real quick um i think it's a pretty easy one the last episode on here was uh stone hansen joining the show to talk about colby
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if people want something with a little bit more depth and detail on him as a player um i think he's just been as advertised which isn't a bad thing at all um he does a little bit of everything he's versatile there's been times where they're running him at the point there's times they're running him at the the 2 and mm-hmm. then he stepped into that spot at the 3 when Keegan went out and started yep. uh for the team yesterday. So it, it's a little bit of everything. It's rebounding, there's passing. Um he shot the ball not great in game 1, um but has been fine since. I yep. still think there's, you know, it the same thing that holds that I thought prior that the jumper looks really good off the catch and mm-hmm. off the dribble not so much. Um he did, you know, miss some free throws yesterday. Um that is something that also was a little bit of a concern or question mark coming out of college. But I mean, is there anything like that surprised you with Kobe or anything that's notable that you know has made you thought about his role, how he's viewed at Sacramento, anything like that? Uh,
0: no, nothing that's really surprised me because he was one of the guys that I, you know, and, and admittedly, this past season with the Kings being good, I didn't watch as much college basketball as I would have liked. But he was certainly a prospect that was on my radar um during the season and uh big shout out to bryant west bryant west also a big colby jones fan so he's extremely happy that the kings got him at 34 um i i i think it's same as advertised he comes in he's steady such a smart player there were some moments too where he was you know diving on loose balls and you know making effort plays that kind of stuff uh, i Guess we probably could have just assumed that that was in his DNA because the guy just plays hard. But yeah, I I I wonder if they will give him more time at the point, simply because that's something that I'm I'm curious about him doing at this level. As a wing in college, he averaged four point four assists per game. I'm sure Stone Hansen probably talked about this, but four and a half assists per game for a not point guard in college is very very impressive given the talent level and who he's passing the ball to because if you're above 5 for a point guard that's that's pretty good in college. So to get near that number as a wing, really good. And and I think that was the the most intriguing thing about him specifically when we're talking about this team is as a third, you know, connector as potentially a secondary or tertiary playmaker. Like how is he going to look out there with Fox and Sabonis? And you can count on him to just always make the right basketball play. I think that's basically what we've seen from him, you know, in transition especially. I haven't seen him really make a bad decision yet. You know, he's either hitting a guy wide open on the wings, or he's kind of surveying the floor, then he'll put his head down and he'll attack depending on how the defense, you know, plays out in front of him. Everything about him has just, has been av- as advertised and, and he's been the thing. The other thing that I was curious with him about was how he's going to get to his floater. Um, that thing's like almost automatic if he can get to it. Uh, it's looked, it's looked pretty good. And I got to shout out my guy, Cash Iggy, uh, Cash Iggy on Twitter, who's been tweeting a lot of Colby Jones clips. And he's been keeping an eye out on the floater. He's he's been wondering the same thing. Looks pretty good so far, you know. And if that's the one thing that he can rely on with his game during his rookie season, that might help him find some more minutes on the floor. Because you can't just have a guy out there simply, you know, just to defend. We saw that with the whole kaziak Paula thing, right? You gotta you gotta be a threat on offense. Um, if he's able to get to that shot, he'll be able to contribute on offense. And 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 I think it's it bodes well that you know that he'll probably make the roster. And you know, it, it, he's not going to play every night, but he'll get minutes. He'll get minutes uh, at some points during the season
1: i am with you um and i don't think that he is you know pj dozier got waved today um oh, i don't think that it's, it's hard, like, it's hard. That's, I'm, kind that's heartbreaking I'm kind of it with you i'm kind of with you sucks yeah
0: um
1: it doesn't really matter that much to be honest but like yeah. i'm kind of with you i do like pj yeah um but i don't think that the third string point guard is colby jones um really? I think that he can play that role. I think that you do kind of have three-point guards if you want to call Malik one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that maybe, you know, like Kobe can defend points and then Malik is just initiating the offense. Um, or maybe you still need to go get a third-string point guard. Um, there's mm-hmm. two spots still available on this roster now with uh, PJ being not being guaranteed. Um, and Jordan Ford feels like a <laughs> pretty obvious option here. Um, yeah. as a fellow St. Mary's guy, mm-hmm. want to rant about how damn good Jordan Ford has been. And also can, can, can we talk about, he, it wasn't always this, this level, mm-hmm. like this is, this is a jump. He was really freaking good in Stockton last year. Yep. Um, but this is a little bit of a, of a jump again.
0: Yes, I was always curious with him. I think he did play overseas for a spell. And I always kind of thought that that was going to be, that that was going to be what Jordan Ford did was he was going to make a lot of money playing overseas. You would think that he was betting on himself and had faith in himself that he could prove that he was going to play at the NBA level by showcasing himself in the G league because he decided to stick around. Um, yes, this is a jump. This is he, he's, he's funky. Uh, around the basket, which makes him just an above average finisher around the rim, um he's just so quick and so shifty, and the three point shot is there as well. and you know that he can run the offense they they ran the same offense in Stockton as they did in Sacramento. and if you're looking at the offense this summer, it's the same thing. <laughs> they're running the same sets essentially, maybe slightly stripped down if anything. and he's able to operate out there very, very good in pick and roll. He's just so steady. Last night on the broadcast, uh, Rick Kamla and and Channing Fry they 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 said that Jordan Ford is very much a St. Mary's player, and what they mean by that is Randy Bennett, the St. Mary's coach, runs the most rigid, slow paced offense in all of college basketball. They are always bottom ten in pace, but what that means is your point guard has to be under control. He has to be able to manipulate kind of the pace of the game, and. He's never going to make bad decisions because he's always going to be running his offense, you know, which is very pick and roll heavy. And it's just very, very methodical and slow. Those are all characteristics and traits that you would want out of your point guard and especially out of a backup point guard, right? Because if you're going to put him in the game, you're not expecting him to score 20 points, but you're expecting him to go out there and give you some continuity and not really muck anything up offensively. And I think he's an obvious, obvious candidate, you know. Definitely for that third two-way spot and maybe even potentially a roster spot. Uh, But obviously, we're going to see how that shakes out with the rest of this offseason. They only have 13 players rostered right now, so we'll see.
1: A roster spot does feel like a little much for me, and I love Jordan Ford. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that two-way, we just haven't seen, like there's, it's just not having seen it in the NBA. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe I shouldn't have that hesitation, but I definitely do. Um, A lot of it is just his size, and he knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he talked about it in post game yesterday, like he's trying to be a better defender and just reality is a lot of guys are going to be bigger. So he has to be very physical, get into the ball, um, and that he's trying to be better there. And I think you're seeing a little bit of that. Um, and offensively, that's all there. He's smart. He orchestrates, he can shoot the crap out of the ball. Like, yes, he shot 40% for three years in a row in the G league, Mm -hmm. um, from beyond the arc he can do everything the finish that he had in transition after he dug <laughs> in got the steal and yeah. then like that reverse that was like i was like where the hell did that come from um he's really good and i think i would be comfortable with him being the third string point guard um as a as a two way in my mind um I, I mean i don't hate your roster spot idea i just would be surprised um sure Like, I don't know, like a guy like, I don't know why this is the name that always comes to my mind, but I don't know exactly everybody that's still available, but Howell Neto. Like, a guy that you know has done it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I would understand preferring him. Um, But I think there's an argument for Ford as well. Um, He's intriguing. Um, I'll also say Keon Ellis being talked about as a back point guard, third string point guard, drives me insane. Because, listen, I love Keon. People know that, obviously.
0: They're hey, be like, careful! He, hey, he, that's we're like best buds now. So, listen, whatever you say, listen, I will. I will
1: listen. <laughs> we both know we get nervous when that guy dribbles the ball. That, that guy should he like? He got better last year. He got oh, yeah. better last year. Um, but his assist to turnover ratio in college was about even.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he's just not. That's not who he is. He's not yeah. a point guard. He's not an initiator. He's a connector. He got better as a passer last year Definitely. for sure. Um, but they, it's also from a very low starting point, a very low mm-hmm. starting point. Um, so I, I like Keon. I'm interested. He's back on a two way. I think that he's been solid during this time. Um, nothing really new, I'll say, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I, I think that, um, finding his ways to impact the game on the offensive end is still sort of a process here and that's fine. And to be expected, um, but he's certainly not your third string point guard either. Um, what, what have you kind of seen from anything, anything new to you from Keon, uh, except for this hair color.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which you, which you asked him about, right. And, and he said, he said, yes, gray, it, he, he said yeah. that we
1: were going for gray and it turned
0: <laughs> sort of blondish. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, to your point about his improved playmaking and improved handle, it is nice to see him. You know, because he and Ford have been starting games together, and so there you go. There's your Ford. Obviously, is going to be your your lead guard, and then you have Keon out there as a secondary initiator, and he's been pretty good at that. He's been very, very good at directing traffic out there. Um, you know, when when things get kind of messed up, like spacing wise, he'll tell guys where to go. Um, you know, he'll he'll demand ball screens to be set for him um you know he's he's both been the screener and the ball handler in those double drag screens that we see the Kings run a lot um yeah he just you know the the IQ and just the understanding of the offense out there for him has has taken a leap that's gotten a lot better and you know generally just making the right play uh i i i really do think that the simple play for him out there is always going to be a you know a, just a good thing to just default to simply because that's probably what Monty wants to see is he's not gonna be a guy out there that they're gonna expect too much out of offensively, let's say if he does make the main roster, right? He's he's gonna be out there for his for his defense. And the defense has been pretty good outside of the fact that at the California Classic, um, I kind of feel like he's got an arch nemesis ref who just calls everything on whistles. him. he did get some whistles. And and he is very
1: animated in his uh, like like there's no way I just fouled that guy. Yeah, uh, no,
0: literally Yes. <laughs> And it was his wild because he on the up, head. Yeah, he he got he picked up his sixth personal foul like halfway through the third quarter of the first game at the California Classic. For those who don't know, you get ten in summer league. Um, that's always been that's a that's a rule all the way down to high school. I've only ever seen two people foul out of a summer league game at any level. Uh, one my backup point guard going into my senior year, he got <laughs> pissed at a dude and was just hacking him. My coach just let him do it. I don't know why. And then uh, Demarcus Cousins actually in a summer league game one time committed ten fouls and got fouled out. So. Yeah, Keon every with every subsequent foul that he would pick up, I would just yell from from the crowd and be like, "Hey man, you got, you know, X amount more, man, use them." And he was I talked to him after the first game and he was like, "Yeah, I I don't even know what was going on there. Like I got elbowed in the face one time and got a foul called on me. And there was one play where he got a back tip and was about to grab a steal, they called a foul on him and he asked the ref, "Where was the foul?" and I think the ref straight up told He said the ref told him, "Oh, I don't know. I" Didn't get a good look at it, and so he was like, "Okay, well, if you didn't get a good look at it, then why'd you call right, a foul?" Right. Um, but he was it's, much better. at Summer this...
1: league refs, too.
0: Exactly. Yeah, these are. I think these are G League level, uh, level refs that are you know out there for the experience. Um, he got a lot better with that the second game, or was headed you know training in the right direction the second game with that. Just less handsy, less foul calls, and then last night only committed two fouls. And he was his activity level on defense was great. He had four steals last night, um, so he was all over the place. So yeah, look, the defense is about as advertised. He's, he's been just really, really good on that end. Um, and if that's his way to making it to a, a main roster, great. I think he's aware of that. I think we're all aware of that as well. That's probably going to be the case if he does get rostered, but obviously he's on a, he's back on a two way for a reason. You would think that Monty McNair acknowledges that yes, there's work to be done there with his game. But also, he's making strides to where the Kings do want to keep him around. And so I think it's a positive sign that he's back on a two way. And I think his play has been quite positive this summer up to this point as well.
1: So do I. We got, um, we got dude in the chat here. Great name asking Drew, how was it to see your good friend, (laughs) Deli, quote unquote, good friend, uh, with the team in Vegas? And I guess I'll let you answer that question first. Uh,
0: Um, I mean, tingle or what? Dude, of course. I mean, you got you got a St. Mary's guy on the team who was essentially he was essentially Delhi's successor because there was a there was a, there were a couple point guards in between Delhi and Ford at St. Mary's, but they aren't like program legends the way that Delhi and Ford are, right? So basically you're talking about his successor on the team. Delhi on the team last year uh now obviously going back to Australia. And playing in the uh, the Australian Basketball League next season because you know he wants more playing time. Totally understandable. Um, just great to see that he's still around the team. I I I I think we've spoken to a lot of people who would probably echo this sentiment. Last year's team was so much fun. The vibes were fantastic, and they're an, they're going to be an unforgettable team for the rest of eternity when it comes to Kings fandom because that was the team that ended the drought. That was the team that turned it around. And Delhi was a huge part of that. So to see that he's still good buddies with the guys on the team, still out there supporting guys. That I mean, he probably doesn't know anybody else on that roster out there other than uh Keon Nimi, um, Jordan Ford, and maybe some G League guys. The fact that he's there watching these dudes play not high quality basketball in Vegas, you know, what does that tell you? You know, he's just a, he's just a good guy, great teammate. <laughs> definitely comes from a great family, and. You know, just just want to wish him the best of luck next year in, in the Australian Basketball League. You know, he wants that Olympic roster spot. Uh, totally get why he made that move, but definitely bummed that he won't be back in Sacramento next season.
1: I've seen people float the idea a lot. Um, and also that I think there was a some post game last year that I believe it was Coach Brown or maybe it was a player um, said that he would make a great coach. And everybody's like, oh, shit, he's going to join the coaching staff. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't get the impression that that's happening, at least like now. Um, but him being around does say a lot about like the culture that the Kings had last year. And Chima mm. Moneki was there too. Right. Um, and again, that's the same thing. Like if you're going there to be around these guys, um, then that says a lot about the the experience that you had while you were there. And Chima's in there watching this Kings game. When Wemby and Brandon Miller are playing right next door, Mm -hmm. you know, same with Ellie and all these other guys. Um, And I brought the question up so we could get to like, just everybody, a lot of people were there. Um, Keegan Murray, obviously there Davion Mitchell, who has a basketball glued to his hand. Um, (laughs) It's ridiculous. He really has a basketball everywhere. It's really funny. Like at the Cal classic, I saw him leave at halftime at one of those games and then came back um and I was like, I guarantee that that man just went to get shots up in the practice facility. Um, but he always has a basketball with him. Um, Davion, Keegan, Kevin with Figs' shirt. Mm-hmm. We had Trey Lyles, which. I love seeing Trey Lyles there. Yeah. Um, he just re signed to a two year, $16 million deal. But I love seeing Trey Lyles because in his exit interview, he talked about how he doesn't really hang out. He, he didn't really hang out with teammates at previous stops um, because he didn't want to just build a relationship just for it to be gone when he moved to a new team. You know, I yeah. think it was like something like three teams in five years, four teams, five years, something like that. Um, yeah. But that he allowed himself to sort of break out of that this past season and this is another example of that like i think that i, I loved seeing trey Lowe's there yep um
0: i feel like sasha. there's others I'm missing. There. thank
1: you thank you yes sasha um we just got to talk to krista duarte today so he'll be here from here on out um there's a lot of guys here and a yeah. crazy amount of the coaching staff um obviously yeah front office members as well so, everybody's out here supporting. There is certainly a continuity. Their slogan going into next year is connected. Mm-hmm. That's gonna what you're going to see on, on the shirts. And okay. the O, instead of like a hollow circle is a crown, right? Um, so Are you, are you sure the O is not
0: going to be a zero? Uh,
1: it depends if their phone <laughs> is working properly or not. Uh, <laughs> so, we can figure it out. Um, okay. But they certainly do have a connectiveness, you know, and, and again, to tie it back to summer league, like coach keeps talking about coach Lox, that is keeps talking about physicality being so important, but he doesn't always, it's always talked about is that's so important for us. Meaning the Sacramento team next year, the regular season team next year to have an improved physicality on both ends of the floor. And they're like, that starts right now, you know, like Kessler Edwards, who I guess we haven't talked about yet, is the only guy out there as of right now that is like guaranteed to be on the Sacramento roster next season mm-hmm. outside of the two ways. Right. Yep. Um, but they're like, this is who we are. If it says Kings on the Jersey, we're playing this type of basketball. Yep. Um, and there, there is absolutely a connectivity that these guys clearly all get along with each other and get handful of them went golfing this morning, for example, like they, these guys very much get along with each other.
0: Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming. Only on Hulu. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots. Now streaming. DAD! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here?
1: Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's Drug Lord nice.
0: I'm sorry, Drug
1: Lord nice? With more baggage.
0: Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total
1: chaos. Does that. vacation friends two rated R
0: now streaming only on
1: Hulu. Let's um let's talk about Nimi a little bit. Sure. Um He's an interesting one to me. Yeah. Where okay, let's start with the two way situation. I guess he's not under a contract as of right now, right? right. He um there is that one final two way spot left. And in my mind, if they wanted him on the main roster, he'd already be on the main roster. Um, I'm sure Nimi would prefer that. Um, but I, I think that a two way still makes a lot of sense. Um, when Nimi got asked about it post game yesterday, you know, just, do you think, I think the the wording was something along the lines of like, do you think it'd be beneficial for you to have another two way? Um, and he had a great response. Um, I don't think I posted it, but I could, somebody definitely did, um, And he said, you know, it's all about perspective. And like, I'm going to do what I'm asked. And he doesn't seem like one to complain at all, but he thinks he's ready. Um, I'm not sure. Like genuinely not sure. Because that fourth quarter he had was amazing. Coach Lauchs joked he never thought he would be calling post-ups for Nimi. And that's (laughs) not a slight on Nimi, but like he just, that's not in the game plan. Right. Um, and then that's what's happening in that fourth quarter. And he's great, man. He has these like, he does have good touch around the rim with both hands. He's using his left a lot these um, throughout this one Vegas game and then California Classic this year. Um, he's got good footwork, touch with both hands it's just so inconsistent, man. Like I, I joked with whoever I was sitting with yesterday. Like, can you imagine if you just, cause I saw Sam Vicini in a corner. Right. And I think mm-hmm. Vicini's one of the best draft guys. He's oh, my, he's some of my favorite me, draft content. F- yeah. For me, he's yes. number one on my draft guys. It, it's power gotta 90. be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, imagine if Vicini just walked in right before the start of the fourth quarter, like, or, or anybody for that case. Right. Like you'd yeah. be like, Holy shit. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. But, That's the Nimi experience to me is that you have these moments of, whoa, that was something. And then a lot of other moments where you just don't really feel him when he's out there. Yeah. Um, And that's why I got kind of not agitated, but I don't love the whole G League MVP runner up because that's factual. But I I do think it is a little misleading. He wasn't dominating every single game. He can dominate, but there's other games where he's just, You don't feel him at all. And when you're, especially that physical build, like you, they should be feeling you every single game. Um, And I don't know how to, like, those are all the pieces to this, but I don't know how to, like, fully come to a conclusion on how I feel because these are just flashes we're talking about. And bigs take a long time to develop, but like how long do you give you know he i mean he only has one year left of uh g league el- or 2 A eligibility so i guess right. that answers that question for you but what's your thoughts on his where, where he's currently at and contract situation
0: yeah and an alternate reality where a two-way contract doesn't exist and that's not an option i i'm really curious like well, would Demi to even be around anymore, right? Like, y- you got to wonder, because in the same vein that Keon Ellis is back on a two-way, I think Nimi's still around the team and got a second two-way last year because the Kings see something and that there's something in there that they want to see growth from him with and they want to see improvements with. And, yeah, the the flashes are just like, I mean... When they do happen and when you do see them, it's so much fun. They're incredible. Obviously, the big thing that I think a lot of people think that he could bring to the team is rim protection. I mean, he's seven feet tall, right? And um that's kind of what he was known for. He was, you know, one of the, I think, country's leaders in blocks. He was either second or he might have been first um his last season at Utah State. And that was the obvious, like tantalizing kind of trait an ability or skill about him that made him a second round pick. And he still shows that like that's, you're going to see that at least a few times a game. Agitated would not be the word that I would use uh, as well, but I do get a little, I don't want to say disappointed either, but you know, when he's out there, he can do some great stuff. And the great stuff is like really, really great. But then sometimes he just kind of like a, from a movement perspective, you're like, man, this guy does look like he's laboring to get up and down the floor. He's not very quick off of two feet, you know, when he jumps. Um, and I don't know. It, it, he just seems like when he has the ball in his hands, it's, it's almost like he's, he's like stuck in molasses sometimes when he's trying to put the ball on the floor and make a move. And I think the movement thing to me is the biggest hindrance here because if he was just better laterally, and if he was just quicker off of two feet getting off the ground, I I don't I don't think I don't think we're talking about him as a two way guy anymore. He might have just been upgraded to a standard contract last year, but obviously there's something there that's holding him back. I think that's probably it—the playmaking and all that stuff, the scoring, the finishing around the rim, the improved left hand, like you mentioned. I mean that, that stuff we've all seen before. You know Utah State, um, you know Kings legend Sam Merrill was was the guy current Cavalier apparently wow well, oh, wow had no idea <laughs> in 2019 2020 the year that the the tournament didn't happen because everything got shut down because of covid sam, Mer- sam merrill was was the guy for them you know like at utah state he was he was phenomenal very very good player with him being gone the next season utah state was like look we have to find another person that we can run our offense through they settled on nimi because nimi was good enough at the college level to do that and he actually was pretty serviceable running stuff out of the high post um, you know, having the offense run through him, even on the low block, he would look for shooters opposite and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't it wasn't a bad idea, but would that translate? Yeah, we'd see. We see flashes of it. And we saw a ton of it down the stretch against the Hawks on Friday night. Um, funny how the Hawks wanted to throw Brady Manic out there and go small. And he just stopped making shots. And then on the other end, he was getting absolutely abused by Nimi. And that's what led to the Kings winning the game. So he's such an intriguing player. He brings so much to the table. Uh The flashes are there. There are a lot of people who are Team Nimi. The entire country of Portugal is Team Nimi. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I My just last don't. Name
1: is Portuguese? I don't mean to talk bad. Oh, you know? Okay.
0: All right. So you obviously have a, you obviously have a, uh extreme bias, right? Yeah. You have. A, oh, a, yeah, a, yeah. A, <laughs> um, like every good journalist. Right. Yep. Totally totally biased and you know you know takes things personal you know that kind of thing that's what makes a good journalist this uh, these know. days um yeah look he he he's shown a good amount through the first 3 games of summer league i'm just i'm just not quite sure with him you know with their, with there being one 2a contract left um i i don't know if he gets that and and then if it comes down to him maybe getting a roster spot a roster spot i don't know if he gets that so i i don't you know, it'll be interesting to yeah. see what happens. Yeah, it, it will be a dog fight for that last two-way for sure. I mean, yes. it, yeah, it's probably between him and Ford in-house. And then who knows? There could be a guy out there that, you know, maybe Monty McNair comes across and offers them a two-way contract. So, we'll see. If he, um
1: you know, if he says, I don't want a two-way, I'm only going to be there if I get a full, fully guaranteed contract. I don't think... I'm not in the spot where I am thinking that like you are going to regret it if you let him walk. Um I don't know. I would love to have him on a two way. But if it came down to that, like maybe this guy signed in the last couple of days and I and I missed it and don't remember this. But like I love like a Gorgie Dang, for example. Mm. Mm. Um and I think there's other guys that I would probably look at using a roster spot on the Nimi. And I think the opportunity cost of what that name could be instead of Nimi, I would lean towards more doing that than, you know, fully, the only way you can keep him is a, is a roster spot. Um, and I don't know if that's true. I'm just laying out a hypothetical that I I think is, is very possible. Um, is there any other, like there's, there's Jalen Slauson, um, you know, honestly, every time like he was really bad in the Cal Classic, to be honest, um, I think that he's very much getting used to a role. He did play like four and five at Furman um, in a very similar scheme, five out offense, a lot of DHOs, ball ball player movement. Um, but I do think there's an adjustment to like being a full time four. Yeah. And whenever somebody asks about him, I'm like, guys, we're talking about the 54th pick here. <laughs> yeah. Like let's let's just be real about expectations. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think Slosson's very interesting defender. I've really liked his confidence from three. He's very willing to pull it, and I think the shot l- for him looks pretty solid. Um there's interesting playmaking. And yesterday in Vegas, he had two really good blocks. Like weak side blocks coming over and protecting the rim. Um and for what it's worth, the coaching staff, but Luke Laux is the one that I've like heard be most um straightforward about it could care less about blocks Mm -hmm. it's just about like verticalities yep and Slauson is really good at that um so there's aspects but like I don't know I kind of glossed over Slauson in this because to me like this is normal 54th pick stuff we're talking about guys this is going to be a process
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know do do you have any other like thoughts on Slauson
0: yeah some people had some people were very very high on him pre-draft there were some people giving him like late first round grades uh, early second so to get him at 54th i think compared to the consensus that's that's a coup that's good but look again he played at Furman. that is that is the that's the socon that's the southern conference you know uh the level of competition there uh not the highest in college basketball however you're straight up disrespecting jake stevens right now shout out to Jake Stevens, man, Chattanooga legend, uh, <laughs> rostered on this rostered on this summer league team. And, uh, hopefully he makes a he makes an impact too. got an exhibit 10. He did. So very likely that he ends not up with the G much, but yeah, not playing very much, but maybe there's a reason for that. Right. Maybe they're, uh, you know, Ooh. they're, you know,
1: Ooh, I like that theory. Yeah. You know?
0: Um, but the Southern conference, you know, good mid major conference, not the best competition in college basketball. Uh, he did look great against Virginia in the NCAA tournament when they won that game, though, uh, and upset them uh, as a 13 seed.
1: Which, by the way, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you again, but you know, the like the play, obviously, where the Virginia guy just chucked it, right? Yeah, Keehey Clark. Clark. Yeah. That's okay. Infamous name. That's mm-hmm. a great one. Um, I didn't realize you remember the video after where a, a Furman player's walking into their locker room and you just hear him saying like, he just threw it up there. Like, yeah. What was yeah. he doing? I didn't realize yeah. that was Slauson. That was Slauson, yeah Yes. It was so funny. I just realized <laughs> yeah. this the other day.
0: Yeah. That, that, that clip went viral. And I, it, man, that was, I, I, I just can't believe it from the perspective of this is Kihei Clark, uh, 2019 national champion, uh, with Kings legend, Kyle guy. and, Was like he's in like he was in his he was in like his sixth year in college. Like, how do you make the mistake as a veteran player? Just a crazy game though. They showed that on the uh, the jumbotron at Golden One uh, because I was I was there for March Madness, and so they put that game up. And when that shot went in, that place absolutely lost it. Um, yeah, that is regular fifty fourth pick stuff. He's gonna have to work through some things. He's gonna have to find his footing. He's gonna have to find what works for him. And if it means being a better defender, you know, trying to find his way defensively, and that's how he's going to get on the floor, fine. If they like his, if they like the lineup versatility that he's able to give them, and he can come in and play small ball five in a pinch, um, that was probably when when he looked his best. When you say was when he played small ball five, um, I think that's where so, the blocks it, came it from. Was it didn't happen long, but yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, Furman five out, DHO heavy, tons of player movement. Um, lots of reading react stuff, very, very similar stuff to what the Kings run. I mean, there's a reason why Monty McNair was intrigued by this guy that he felt like he could have just, you know, made the pick and let him develop. I mean, we thought Monty McNair coming into this, this, this year's draft was allergic to second round picks that he just didn't want to make them. But you know, here we are. And, and by the way, he <laughs> last year, a lot of people thought this sounded ridiculous. They were like, Monty McNair is trading second rounders for more second rounders and he swears that's adding additional assets that, that that's going to be used for something. Well, those second rounders that he did add um you know after trading away Jaden Hardy and uh I think he traded away another uh second round pick last year uh turned into Chris Dorte. So there you yeah. go. It was you their know, like, own
1: 2030 and then um a Dallas second pick. Um, yeah, a Mavs
0: like 2028 20, pick which would be that. the um Jaden Hardy right yep that was the Jaden Hardy pick yep All right so yeah um, yeah we'll we'll see what's Lawson but he's yeah definitely definitely an intriguing prospect and you know definitely looking forward to see if he can make any strides during this summer league but also he's going to be in stock the next season so it'll be cool to track him and monitor his improvement
1: Agreed. If anybody in the chat has any questions about summer league related stuff, before we spend a little bit of time, I know we ran long, but I guess we always run long. I always do this. I'm really going like I just being on these Kings beats is really wearing, uh, rubbing off on me here. Um, but if anybody else has any summer league questions, um, now would be the time
0: to yo them B West, B West in the chat says Jordan Ford season all caps man, big Dude, shout I, out to Brian West. I, I like
1: feel like indirectly a gales fan like it just <laughs> rubs off on me with you too you um, say
0: that you say that until we force you to watch a gales game and you're not as invested as we are and you're just mm-hmm. like what is this the score is 54 to 50 with two minutes left in the game <laughs> i
1: i mean yeah these summer league games can be pretty freaking tough too yeah a, a yeah. lot of people uh I'm a sicko, man. I'm like, a like, like, why are we not going today? I might not make it there today. And I'm yeah. like, why, why like, it bothers me actually. Um, I like noticed what Detroit's roster was from a restaurant where I was eating. And I was like, damn it. Why am I not watching Jalen Dern and James Wiseman right now? <laughs> um, their lineup's crazy, by the way, with a Thompson and Jaden Ivy who didn't Dude. score 41 points for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, bummer. Yeah but um i will also throw out did you catch the portland and houston game from yesterday that might, that was like one of the most
0: best games i that was one of the best games i've ever seen so i did not because um i was in the gym doing my 74th consecutive chest workout but i was seeing <laughs> the reactions <laughs> i wasn't i was looking at my phone on Twitter and, uh, on the new social media app, uh, presented by Meta Threads, people were talking about that game and there was so much happening. I saw, I saw you. You just straight up tweeted, what is happening in this game? Like you had no idea. Everybody
1: you- was trying to dunk on everybody. Yeah. The yeah. athleticism was not okay. Like <laughs> <laughs> Scoot and Shaden Sharp and you have Keon Johnson by the way, who broke the record for a verticality yep, at the combine, at the combine. Uh, two years ago. There's Greg Brown, the third, who's a crazy mm-hmm. athlete, insane um, athlete. And then on the other side with with Houston, you got Amen Thompson, mm-hmm. Cam Whitmore, who Cam. I think I saw hit his forehead on the rim. Um, This it, it was ridiculous. Um, I might have said Cam Johnson. I meant Cam Whitmore.
0: Yeah, um, no, you, you said Cam Whitmore.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, but yeah, that game was was a great time. Um, and it somehow made the game after that was the Wembenyama game that the stadium was packed for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of made it a little disappointing to me. I was like, yeah. I don't know if I'm just coming off a high <laughs> or what, but like, this one isn't hitting the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that feel like actually being in the building for that because. Obviously, you know, Jabari Smith, game winner. By the way, that was the other oh, yes, thing. Oh, that yes. That's what it ended with. That uh, was the other that was yeah. the other big thing that people were talking about on the timeline in the first half. People were saying Jabari Smith is a bust. He's like the worst. You know, like I can't believe oh, I'm so glad that, you know, I have <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna I'm, lie. I, I had a little <laughs> of like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, this guy's not doing good. Right. And I have a ton of Thunder mutuals because Thunder fans are just the best. They're they're so cool. And so many of them were just like, oh, thank God, Sam Presti, man, absolute genius, took Chet over Jabari Smith, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, then he just goes off in the second half, just absolutely goes off. Um, Tari Eason was also out there as well, another player that I absolutely love, who's just a dog. And those guys were just, yeah, that, that game just seemed like a scrum. Like, it was just crazy. Like you said, everybody trying to dunk on each other, just guys flying everywhere, ends in a Jabari Smith game winner. I think he finished with 33 points after scoring four points in the first half or something like that. I mean, I, that had to have been one of the greatest summer league games ever. You know, I would say almost as good as the Murray Miracle game, but obviously, you know, it's, it just depends on who you ask. Yeah. The call,
1: I, I mean, it's still my intro, part of my intro for this pod, the Murray yeah. Miracle in Vegas yeah. or whatever it is from Mark Jones. Uh-huh. Um, that makes it great. And I haven't heard the Jabari call, but Chris Watkins sent a text to um to me after and was like, Jabari just had his keegan marie keegan marie moment, Murray moment. Yep. and it's really funny because chris also joked after last year that uh keegan just had his marvin bagley moment and uh, oh no i was like wait so why is this now a good thing where did where did this come from um anyways um let's do a little chris duarte i guess um we just talked to him today for the first time um english is definitely his second language Mm -hmm. and domas actually speaks spanish to him on the floor which is something that i I think is pretty helpful for him um because there there are still things he he, you can interact with him just fine but there's small like for example we're talking to him about some baseball stuff because he's he's uh for the dominican republic and kind of grew up around baseball a lot right yeah um about like how you would hit a bottle cap and this would be like you know sort of younger the, this things you do when you're like trying to get a kid better at baseball. Right. Yeah. Um, but we had to like describe what a bottle cap is. Um. So there is like still some language stuff. Right. And I think yeah. that even just the basic aspect of speaking Spanish, his native language is probably a big comfort for Chris. I'd imagine, especially when yeah. he first gets drafted and yeah. like it was talked about a lot when he first got drafted or first got traded here that, it has to do with his relationship with Domas, like that. That's a big aspect here. But you could really tell how much he likes Domas. He's talking about like Domas's family, um, and hanging out with them. And uh, Megan, the chat, has a good point. Just she says Jordy can swear at them in Spanish. Oh, <laughs> that is, that, that true. is a great point. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that he's intriguing. Uh, another standout thing to me from the presser is when he got asked what do you bring to sacramento um his very first thing was i'm a shooter and he didn't shoot very well last year um even the year prior his numbers were better but it wasn't like oh a a crazy yeah it was a Um,
0: shade under 37 percent when he was yes yeah
1: and um but I think it's notable he starts with that and 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 he, you know, then mentions that he does a little bit of everything playing off of Domas, um and things like that. But there's there's defense there as well. He was kind of touted as as a guy that would play both sides of the ball when he was coming right. out of Oregon. Um and it's intriguing. Um it, it what it comes down to for me with Duarte is that there's no risk maybe i shouldn't say no risk you're 2030 maybe they're back to being the Kangs. by the way I, I do have one drink here that i've been slowly uh drinking i had to try to think of another word but drinking throughout uh the course of this episode um that was from the Kangs bar apparently downstairs i was like what the hell is this name the most expensive oh. drink i've ever had in my life and it's basic as hell um okay. What was I? Damn it, Duarte. Um, yes, that there's. Oh yeah, maybe you're back to being the Kangs. That's where I, That's where that was came from. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're back to being the Kangs by 2030, and you're giving up the 32nd pick. Um, right. So there's not no risk involved, but that's the worst case. Is that you're giving up two number 32 picks, like th- way down the line? There's. He's better than Terrence Davis, which, by the way, I'm surprised Terrence Davis doesn't have a team yet. But yeah he's better than Terrence Davis and you're not relying on Duarte. Somebody earlier in the chat was asking, um, about how many guards are on this team. There's a lot. If, if Duarte doesn't work out, it's fine. Like you have other options, but if he does, then, you know, maybe we're talking about smaller lineups, Kevin playing the three Duarte playing the three. Yeah. Um, yeah, what it comes down to for me is there's there's no risk here, really.
0: Yeah, This synergy with Domas, I'm I am so ready to see that because that was the first thing that not only Kings people pointed out, but Indiana media people. You know, shout out to Caitlin Cooper who does outstanding work um, covering the Pacers and just the NBA at large. She immediately she immediately posted clips of Domas and and dorte like two-man game you know and this isn't just strictly off of dho's you know when Domas did have the rare opportunities in in indiana to to you know you know just grab a board and go and dribble out in the open court uh, he was always looking for chris and she posted a clip of him whipping a cross-court pass from the right wing over to dorte in the corner uh and he knocked that down you know that was during his rookie season and i think the the point in the season where Duarte's production really started falling off was the trade deadline in 2022 because Domas left. There was no more Domos to really um, feed him looks, uh, and that's both as a cutter and out on the perimeter as well. I think Chris Duarte is a better shooter than the 37% that he shot as a rookie. I really do. His first game ever in the NBA as a pro against the Charlotte Hornets, he went off. You know, I, don't, I don't know how many points he had, but I think he hit six threes. And I kind of think that number took a hit towards the end of the season because he just wasn't fully healthy. And then also the offense completely, it was just completely different. He wasn't running the same offense anymore. Barely got any court time with Tyrese even because he just wasn't out on the floor as much towards the end of the season. And then this season, this past season, just an injury riddled season, never really got his footing. he
1: mentioned that he came back a little early Mm -hmm. from, I, I think it's a left ankle injury. Um, he mentioned he came back a little early trying to help the team and I would imagine he won't make that same mistake Mm -hmm. twice, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just knowing your body, yeah. obviously like he's learned his lesson now. He probably won't try to brush himself back from injury. Uh, and, and I think as long as he's just, as long as he's healthy enough to give you 70 some odd games, that's another option that you have on the bench of your Mike Brown. Um, Frankie, our good friend Frankie Cardaselli did tweet out the depth chart the other day and said he's so excited about the options that Mike Brown is going to have. And this is essentially, again, with the same team that's coming back, the same core that's coming back. It's just the addition of Duarte gives you so much more line of versatility, you know to, to, you know, to swing two, three. And then, of course, you have Sasha Vizankov, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. You know, he can play four five. So, yeah, look, in the same way that Kevin Herter is just a movement maestro, and is always playing that two-man game with Domas, whether that's as a shooter or taking a DHO and going downhill with it, Duarte can be the same. And I'm really, really excited to see him out there. You know, with if Duarte and Herder and Domas ever share the court at the same time, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibilities, that that could be a nightmare for defenses. Like, how do you account for those two guys just constantly moving and cutting off of Domas, who is so good operating from the high post? You know, Imagine it's with
1: exciting. Keegan, too.
0: There you go. And you then know. Fox, and then Fox is your fifth guy, right? right. You could go Keegan, Keegan as your four and those other two guys playing on the wings and you have Fox out there. It's like, how do you, what is your answer for that? Right. And the Kings, you can never have too much shooting. The Kings were one of the better shooting teams in the league last season. You know, they had two 40 plus percent three point shooters and Herter and Keegan, who are such great off of movement, or who were so great off of movement. Well, now you're adding Sasha Vazenkov and you're adding Chris Dorte, two guys who should slot in and also add additional shooting. So. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how those guys operate off of Domas.
1: And then you mentioned Vizenkov. Um, I love Sasha as a basketball player. I think the thing that when I got to ask Chima about him and, and Chima played against him overseas, um, they played each other. Well, Chima didn't play in the game, but he was on the other team in the EuroLeague finals or right. I'm sorry, semi-finals. Right. Um, so has some familiarity, but the wording that he used that I, I repeat all the time now is just efficient with his dribbles. Like this guy and, and somebody put out a video recently also highlighting this. Um, it's very, I mean, like Clay Thompson's the other guy that's really good at this, right? Um, and when you're able to get your looks within the flow of the offense like that, when you're an MVP and, being defended like an MVP, then I think that bodes extremely well. Like the three point shot where he's shooting over 40% from three last year. That's while he is being like guarded the way that Keegan and Kevin were being guarded in the playoffs, you know, and he's still able to do that. So I, I think offensively, this guy is going to be phenomenal all around. Um, Defensively figuring out how to make it work is going to be, um, a question. And, and that's where the concern lies, right? Like if he was somebody that projected to be a plus defender, not great, but plus, then we're talking about a starter in the NBA in my mind. Um And I don't know where at that point right now. I mean, he just got a three year, $20 million deal. You know, we're talking right around seven a year, six point, whatever. Um That's you know, I, like similar money to Trey Lyle's that that's the sort of role that you're play, you're paying expecting of him. When, when you look at um, that dollar figure. So I think that's reasonable to me, really the biggest thing in my mind is going to be like, how does, what's the off court adjustment like for him? Like yeah. he was at the Cal classic the other day. I think he had just got there and it's like, I'm like, man, this guy looks like kind of like he's just getting his, his feet set. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was like, I wonder what time it is right now in Greece. (laughs) I was like, it's 6am and we're just starting like the second game. Mm -hmm. So like that adjustment going from being a star to now, not quite, although I'm sure Sacramento will absolutely embrace him and love him. Um, and just culturally, like it's a culture shock moving to an entirely different country, but the chemistry we've talked about that Sacramento has makes me pretty optimistic about that
0: yeah it harkens back to those golden era kings teams where they had so much international flavor right page of uh, Hedo hito turkalu um, those guys obviously looked out for one another were great to one another and i think the team at large was just their chemistry was so great and they got along so well that you know, they always felt included. Nobody was ever frozen out or anything like that, even if there was a language barrier. I, I just recently listened to a podcast. It was the, um, uh, the knuckleheads podcast with, I think Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson that Hito Turkoglu did. It was amazing interview. Hito's hilarious, but he talked about how difficult those first couple years were. Like, he didn't know how to speak English. You know, he's Turkish. Vlade and Peja are, you know, Serbian, Yugoslavian. A little bit different there. You know, still a language barrier to an extent. And he said that it was kind of a struggle. I think Sasha, his English is, from what I can tell, like, at least okay. Like, he can communicate. Um, I'm not sure if he can speak it, but I think I see on his Instagram and his socials, like, he, he, he can speak English. Um, hopefully, that helps. He can but,
1: speak English pretty well from the stuff I've seen.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I, I just... I think, I think you lean on the culture that's been built. You lean on the vibes. You lean on how much these guys like one another. I'm pretty confident that, that they're not, they're not going to leave Sasha out of anything. They're going to welcome him with open arms and he's going to get along with people just fine. The thing that I'm most curious about from a basketball standpoint though is he was just the man in Europe. He was not just his league's best player. He was the Euro league's best player. So he plays in the Greek league domestically in Greece he was the best player in EuroLeague which encompasses all of Europe and takes the best teams from each European league he was voted the MVP of the EuroLeague you know he was quite literally the best player in Europe and I think that was a, a back-to-back right then he went he was a two-time EuroLeague MVP correct
1: uh no because it's I think it's back-to-back Greek League
0: MVP but okay back one EuroLeague league MVP. MVP gotcha I mean you know the, the hype around this guy very similar to Bogdan Bogdanovich before he came over here right like And, and for him to come over on a three for 20, Bogey got a three for 27. (laughs) So you're getting the best player in Europe for a cheaper deal than what you got the last best player in Europe for. Obviously, that's awesome. But to your point about how he fits into the team basketball wise, do you think he's going to be okay with not being the man? You know, like he's going to be a very, he's going to fill a very specific role. He's going to play plenty. It's too good not to play, but do you think that maybe that'll be a big adjustment as well as far as him not getting most of the usage and playing next to Fox and Domas?
1: Like, not really, though, uh, to me, because, like, it it did revolve around him. He was the guy, right? But it felt very like Keegan at Iowa, you know, where it's like, okay, obviously this is the guy that it's, you're probably going to end up taking the shot Most times, but he's not like I'm sure the usage is up there just because he's the one taking the looks. But like it's ran through everybody else um, and then it just ends up with him. So I don't think so. And I also think that that decision was already made. I, I think that coming over says that he's willing to do that. Mm-hmm. maybe i'm wrong though and maybe the thought is he thinks he's going to come over here and eventually be the fucking mvp of this league <laughs> um and shit if that works great um but you know there's the nemanja bielitsa's um and there's the Nicola melis nicole lee whatever it was melis mm-hmm. and he's somebody that it, it just didn't really work like yeah. the fit and i've seen some people like overseas people talk about that he didn't get a fair shake um, maybe opportunity wasn't quite right for him, but there's there's both sides here. Um so it's gonna be interesting. Um I'm a big fan. I think that offensively he's guaranteed to. I I, I think he's gonna be so good. I think like I could see a 30 ball, a couple thirty balls this year. Not a lot, but yeah. like there are going to be days where he is on. Yeah um and extremely smart player, keeps the ball moving. Um I do think they, um, people are roasting my shirt right dude, now. You're getting, dude, you're getting, it, it dude, st- you know, it, it started with, um, this is a high school, uh, a good friend of mine. I went to high school, with, um, <laughs> that started with, if Brennan gets a better shirt, maybe we'll listen to his opinion. Uh, first of all, I'll say if I, it doesn't matter what shirt I'm wearing, that guy's never listening to my opinion, but yeah, shout out to securing the beam for hopping on here. And uh also yeah, roasting like a, me on my shirt
0: secure securing the beam's my guy though man we go way back so he's uh yeah whatever got, not my guy got, apparently we got we got people that we're going way back with just absolutely roasting your shirt man um, and then Matt George is telling me to show my socks on camera
1: again over here
0: I love live chats um, <laughs> <laughs> any other
1: final stuff before we as we wrap up here Drew?
0: Yeah, just to put a bow on the Sasha conversation. Yeah, just you got in this, I guess this will also bridge into, uh, uh, Duarte and Colby as well. High feel, high IQ, such yeah. incredibly smart players that you know that if you put them out there in any situation, in any lineup, if you have DeMontis Abonis out there quarterbacking from the high post and running your, you know, three or four foundational sets, these guys are going to slot right in perfectly. And I'm with you with Sasha and his potential to just go off. That's, that's going to happen because we've seen him get hot in the Euro league, a, 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 a place where the, the style of play is much different and is much slower and it's much more physical. This guy had nights where it was just like, Oh, he's, he's just on, you know, and with more freedom of movement for him over here, I, I, I just think there's going to be some nights where he's just going to be it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for mike brown some nights where like he might want to sub him out because he's giving guys like scheduled rest with his rotations i think there are gonna be some nights where he's like well i gotta keep him out here because <laughs> because if he's out on the court uh we're losing a lot tonight because he's just playing so well i think that's that's guaranteed i think there's gonna be a, a handful of 30 balls There are gonna be a lot of nights where he's going for 20 plus and the lineup and positional versatility that he gives mike brown it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch um yeah i'm i'm really really excited for sasha i i i can't wait to see what he does in a king's uniform
1: and he took number seven um shout out mezzi but that's what shout out shout here. out
0: jimmer for shout out darren yeah. colliston shout out Scalabissier for one season shout out you know who else bobby hurley you know just a lot a lot of that's lot all of off the top sevens. huh man yeah a lot of legendary number sevens dude yeah Lot I will say that know, that group seven. you mentioned,
1: you know, the other thing they all have in common, they all win a lot of their basketball games. And I think I've talked to you about this. I don't yeah. know if I've said this on a pod, but I think like, I very much come around to realizing, thinking that like, they just love winners. And that is, Sounds like the most basic statement, right? Yeah. But Mm -hmm. think of somebody like Max Lewis, who went to Pepperdine. That (sighs) team sucked. Max is Is, like, I I like Max Lewis. Yeah. I'm interested for sure. But like, they're not
0: picking guys like that. Is Bryant still here? Because Bryant will chime in on this. Because we're both hardcore West Coast Conference watchers. Yeah, Pepperdine stinks. Lorenzo Romar has had many college coaching jobs. He's been a longtime college coach. Uh, came from Washington before Pepperdine. Coach Brandon Roy at Washington. You know, like he's coached some really, really good players in his time. Awesome recruiter. He got Kessler Edwards, Colby Ross, and it wasn't just Max Lewis in his recruiting class. You know, they have two other guys, Mike Mitchell and Houston Millette. Those guys are freaking awesome. They're so good. Pepperdine stinks. They can't win. Their last okay teams were with Kessler Edwards. Um, yeah, I, he's intriguing, but they did not win very many games. You're right. And you look at, Colby Jones, who, with Sean Miller running a pretty advanced offense, and he was a big Beautiful facilitator offense. in that offense. You know, one of the best half-court offenses in America last season. Won a ton. Chris Dorte at Oregon won a ton, right? And now national you have champion, Sasha. right? Uh, or no? Well, Oregon has never won a national title. Uh I'm an Oregon hater because I'm a Cal fan, so I'm glad that that's that's the case. But you know, they he they were pretty good when he was there. Uh, he only played two years there too because he uh he was a JUCO transfer. So you add in Sasha, who's obviously won a ton as well. I mean, only I think his team was only lost one one game domestically this year in Greece. Yes, and yeah, to Papianis, and that was yeah.
1: the game that Sasha got injured. He got and hurt. Didn't get to close it, right? So and they barely that that team celebrated like they won the whole thing <laughs> because they beat um Olympiakos for the first time, and I don't remember how many years, but years, uh,
0: yeah yeah and that was uh Panatha and nikos um that
1: something that like that. that yeah yeah uh yeah. um, like, Derek Williams and Panis oh, wow. uh so they had the the Coke machine and poppy and
0: Chico. and uh a onto tacumpo Alexex onto summer league legend Kings summer League legend Alex onto um yeah these guys just win and, and you winners. can go back further like keegan yeah definitely a winner
1: mm-hmm. um Davion? Davion is like the definition he he is
0: this. he's the absolute definition of just an absolute grinder and a dude who just refuses to really to have anything happen like the guy you watch him play out there he refuses to be screened he refuses to let anybody blow by him and he willed his team to a national title against the juggernaut that everybody thought was going to sleepwalk to the national title that season in Gonzaga like the guy's just sensational yeah Tyrese Tyrese, um, Tyrese his his freshman year, his sophomore year was tricky. He got hurt, um, and then after he got hurt, that team's that team's season just fell off a cliff. But yeah, his freshman year, when he was a uh, more of a role player, they won the Big Twelve title. Um, and I think
1: even like Jemias and Robert Woodard, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, yeah, those Mississippi teams.
0: Mississippi State had a really good season, first really good season a long time for them when when Robert Woodard, um, you know, that year got shut down, unfortunately. But I think they were going to be a tournament team. And then the I mean, that team that team was a Mountain West Conference uh title contender, and then they got to the NCAA tournament. So yeah, all these guys, Monty's got a type. I think we talk about his types when we're talking about them specifically as players. But I think the bottom line is, is he just he just brings in guys that have just won a ton of games and he's been able to mix them with what he's had in-house. And it's been you know, obviously the 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 results have been very positive.
1: Yeah, and I think the uh, the biggest thing with that is that you don't have to theorize what it looks like at the NBA level with these guys. Like the context is already there. You know, you, you see like Kobe Jones doesn't have to come into the NBA and play a different role. He's going to come into the NBA and do the exact same thing he did. He did at Xavier. That's what they're going to ask from him. You know, like Max Lewis would have been something totally different. And that's where I'm curious. Like the whole, Liking winners is very obvious, right? But it's it's I don't know what that means for the other side, you know. Um, so be interesting, but I very much come around to I think they just love people that win their basketball games. And I like covering a team that wins its basketball games, and the Kings did that. Um so they're in a good spot. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think running it back's a bad thing. Um, I get the want for them to do more, Mm -hmm. but there's optimism for internal improvement. Keegan's the obvious one, but literally (laughs) fucking Matt, don't you dare wear that shirt out tonight in Vegas. I've already been wearing this out in Vegas. Matt, i got matt
0: compliments was, by the way you jerks matt matt was roasting you for stuff outside of the shirt too he he didn't even start with the shirt he i know matt it's, it's like, on it's like site with matt dude it's on site <laughs> um
1: i love matt matt george yeah matt, um, shout out to matt shout out to matt um
0: yeah i don't know if i have anything else Drew. um Yeah, I'll I'll just say this. I'm happy for you and all of our other buddies who cover the team because you know James said this. James Ham would say this all the time on on the King's beat. Like, if the team starts winning, it'll be fun for me covering the team. And I think that's a universal sentiment that everybody in media shares. Like everybody who covers the team who who I know, like they, you guys all seem to have so much fun this past season. And and it's summertime. The season's over. We're still having fun. So it's just good to see. The vibes are good around here. Uh. You know the comment, wild. dude. The you comments are just—they've gone. They've gone off the rails here, man. I don't They're
1: know real. if Scavengerman in the chat is Emilio, this is my good friend again. Um, I don't know if he knows where I'm staying or if if he totally just made this up and got it right. I would never hear the end of this. But the comment for the audio side says, "With a shirt like that, I bet you're staying at the Rio." By the way, anyone on the audio side, since apparently people want to see my fucking shirt, uh, there's the YouTube as well that I always forget to mention. That's all we're going to do. And I'm going <laughs> to wear this shirt out in Vegas right now. Assholes. Um pretty funny. Um yeah, that's all I got, Drew. Um I'm excited for some of these Kings' next games. I want to continue to see more from some of these guys. It's an interesting battle like you've said for that final two-way spot, still two roster spots um that are TBD. That uh needs to be still figured out, but there is time to do that. I think there is a good energy around this team that is still carrying over from last year. Um, I guess final thing I'll say is that like that changes really fast, though. Right. I, I have um some buddies that cover the Timberwolves. And I remember being here a year prior and being like, "Yeah, I'm just hoping that the Kings have a year like Minnesota," and then now they're sitting here and being like, I hope Minnesota has a year like Sacramento did. And it changes really fast. Now I'm not saying they're going to go trade five first round picks for a guy that no other team in the league thinks is worth five round first round picks, but it changes fast. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, This like feel good story that was last year, breaking the drought, that shit's gone. There's like like, high expectations now. Oh yeah. There's going to be a very, very different feeling to next year because of that. Like, they're probably not going to be the three seed guys, you know? And I think that's going to annoy a lot of fans. Like, but I don't know that they were really like three seed caliber, typical three seed caliber team last year. They were really good, but like a three seeds crazy. Yeah. Um, and that's not, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this year goes. It's going to be a different feeling. There's more expectations. Shit changes fast. There's good energy. I, I think there's like, basic but good vibes in the air around all this right yeah um but it changes fast so got to keep the good momentum rolling and hopefully they will be able to do that um and maybe that'll mean some of these pieces maybe jordan ford is is someone that we're talking about in the future here chess prodigy by the way which was a cool story from joe davidson in sacramento b um but that's all i got i'm gonna get out of here and let the world see this beautiful shirt (laughs) and definitely people should also check out the king's herald as always for the work there from myself and all the other great guys and gals and you can take a look at their patreon we talk about figs's merch um i'm big fans of those king's herald merch too um have a handful throughout the years but take a look at their patreon also to support local independent kings coverage get you a little discount on some of that merch and if you enjoyed th- this episode of the king's post podcast please Subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from me again in the next couple days.